Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project who will have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. For some individuals, the anxiety caused by past traumatic events can be haunting, even debilitating. But recent studies are exploring how imagining alternative outcomes of events can affect our perception of what actually happened. This week, Felipe de Brigard, an assistant professor in the Duke University Center for Cognitive Neuroscience, talks with Dan Ariely about some of the ways memory and imagination can interact. This uh, project you're working now on kind of related to trauma, um, can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the name of the project is The Power of Imagination. And Sounds like a Disney-sponsored project. Exactly. We might get a sponsor from them. <laughs> we might not. But the idea is, uh, so far I have been studying a lot the interaction between counterfactual thinking, which is a kind of imaginative process in which... Wait, wait, so what, what's counterfactual thinking? Exactly. It's a, it's a kind of, of uh, uh, cognition or in sort of imagination in which you uh, envision an alternative way in which a past event in your life could have occurred but didn't. So you say, if I only didn't have this car accident, if I only didn't have this kid, if I didn't have this accident, stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. And then you go off uh, on a little imaginative like ramble, trying to imagine this alternative world in which that event did not occur. And do people do more imagining that something did not occur, or do they imagine more that something that didn't occur would have occurred? Uh, well, it depends. So one thing that the people overwhelmingly imagine is how uh, bad events could have turned out better. And that usually leads them to think, uh, uh, like have sort of regretful thoughts. Many of these thoughts, and this is part of the project, many of, of these thoughts are repetitive. People involuntarily sleep on these alternative ways in which their past could have been. And um, it becomes this kind of um, bad and, 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 and repetitive behavior that prevents them from keep, keep on going with their lives. Yeah, so basically you, kind of, you can't get rid of this, oh, it was a terrible mistake, if only it didn't happen, how my life would have been, and every day just keep on... And you want to tell me that there's something good about these kind of thoughts. Exactly. So my uh, prior research a couple of years ago, we did the study in which we have individuals uh, repeatedly create counterfactuals, and we asked them, uh, to rate how likely they thought that this alternative possible event could have occurred. And it turns out that the more they imagine it, the less they thought it was likely that could occur. So here is something, I, I have something bad happen to me, I keep on imagining how th- things could have turned out better, and the more I think about it, the less likely I think that something good to have happened. So does it mean that I kind of come to peace with the actual reality? Exactly. That is the way in which we actually named uh, the effect. We call it the coming to grips with the past effect. And, and do people do it naturally or you have to probe them to decrease, to, to, to do it again and again and to explicitly say something about their probability of this thing happening for this to happen or does it happen naturally? We don't know if it happens naturally. We believe that if people, healthy people, think about alternative ways, it sort of happens naturally. Um, But in the lab, we actually had to probe them, and we had to tell them, think about everything that should have happened in order for that event to occur how you imagined it. 
And, and our hypothesis is that the more you think about it, the more you focus attention on the discrepancies between what actually happened and what could have happened, and then you start realizing, oh, there's so many things that would have had to be different, and then as a result, your your subjective likelihood sort of decreases. I see. So uh, it, you not only have to think about the same thing, you have to think about all the circumstances that lead to it and the uh, complexity of that situation. But what, exactly. where does it lead us with uh, happiness and imagination? Great. So um, it turns out that when I was starting to work on this, there was a particular kind of population, individuals with generalized anxiety disorder, that uh, did not seem to exhibit this very same reduction. In fact, these were individuals that were constantly ruminating about alternative ways in which events in their lives could have occurred. So right now, what we are investigating is what is different in, uh, in terms of their memory process in individuals with anxiety and, and healthy individuals. And the reason for that is because we think that what the mechanism that is involved in this reduction of subjective likelihood is memory reconsolidation. So as, as people think about uh, the past, they basically remember things differently. They actually, the facts in their mind are rearranged, and you think that people with uh, anxiety disorder don't exhibit that. Uh, their memories are actually more accurate. They don't change as much. They're not susceptible to influences. Exactly, exactly. I think that their memories are in a way protected. And what we're trying to figure out is whether there is a way in which we can use the power of imagination to modify the original memories so that they will behave just like healthy individuals. So you're saying the, the people with uh, anxiety disorders seem to have uh, more protected memories. Let's see if we can d work extra hard on those memories to break them as well. Exactly. So, so you're really kind of messing up with people's accuracy of their memory uh, to make them happier. Um, a little bit, and I think that we do that all the time, like we healthy individuals. I think that um, our life, and, and we constantly are remembering memories, we remember them in social context, we remember them individually, and many times what we're doing is a little bit of editing, uh, because after all, we have to carry our memories for the rest of our lives. But, but you're a philosopher, are you, are, you, are you okay with implanting, like why not go further and why not implant other false memory into people's mind that will just make them believe that they're happier? Why, why just edit, why stop there? Uh, that's a really good question. There are some labs that are doing exactly that. So there is a, a, a lab by Elizabeth Loftus. Uh, she's recently being um, inserting false memories in individuals that have alcoholism, for instance, and they're try she's trying to make them remember or falsely remember that they actually don't like to drink. Yeah. And it's actually curbing their behavior. Yeah. So um, anyway, you're not going that extreme. No. <laughs> um, but but what, do you, so what do you find? You, are you successful? Uh, we're just uh, starting the, the process. We, we collected some data on the part in the paradigm, a specific paradigm, uh, last semester, and we're actually going to be presenting it next week at the SPSP. And how does it look like? Um, it looks like um, we need to, to strengthen the manipulation, but it looks as though certain kinds of counterfactuals, not all of them, some kinds of counterfactuals are more effective than others. And part of what uh, we're doing right now is teasing apart whether it is better, for instance, to imagine an alternative way in which a bad event could have occurred, or rather if it is better to think of a worse way in which an already bad event could have occurred. They seem to have different behaviors. So. Um, Right now, we're starting this probably a two-year project in which we're going to be teasing apart exactly what is the best way of using imagination to modify those memories. And this is for people with anxiety disorder. But for people without anxiety disorder, you're quite confident that uh, this is something that people do naturally and you can actually accelerate even further by 
imagination to get them to uh, misremember history in a more positive way. Yeah, I don't think that the the distortion from what actually happened is that large. I think that uh, it reaches, and we actually have some data that it sort of reaches certain plateau after a m certain amount of modifications. It just doesn't change the emotion that much. Um, we don't know, for instance, how long-lasting the effect is. So it might have actually worked from one session until another session in the lab, but maybe the next week just the, the effect goes away. Uh, those are parts of the investigation. Uh, so in terms of your own life, uh, let's think about your relationship with your wife. Are you, are you trying to get her? She's also a, a psychologist. Yes. Are, you, are you trying to get her to reconstruct her memory of you in a more positive way and therefore making things uh, easier in, in, in life in general? Oh, absolutely. We call that retrospective romance. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Any, any specific advice that you have for this? Um, I think that people should not underestimate how, why they use imagination and what they use imagination for. I think that the, the mix between imagination and memory is really, really strong. Um, and I think that people should enjoy as much as is remembering, as if, for instance, in a couple, not only remembering episodes, but also imagining things together. So, for example, uh, remember that trip we could have taken for Par to Paris and uh, all the wonderful things that could have happened, that, that could be just as good and cheaper than going to Paris. Oh, well, that's one possibility, but I'll give you a story that I, that I, uh, I wrote about. Uh, I have a, a very good friend who um, went on a trip and he almost missed missing, uh, like meeting his uh, actual wife. And every time that he tells the story, um, they remember the story and it's very easy not I mean it's very difficult not to think about how you know how, this almost improbable so improbable that they met and when they remember the story you feel that their relationship grows stronger so so that that's the phenomenon I'd like to explore okay so counterfactual thinking about almost missing this amazing romantic relationship yeah. is a key to happiness I see. I see yes exactly I agree with that thank you very much All right. thank you this has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely of Duke University. To further expand your understanding of dishonesty, irrationality, and other human quirks, go to danarielli.com.